You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Feeling a little musical today. You're welcome. My single drops in 2023. It's going to be good. So on this episode of On This Day in History, this is the PFF Day, so we're PFF breakdowning the New York Jets. Now, to give you a little bit of an update, this is 2018, by the way, not 2017, so we're looking at last year on December 20th. And it's a little bit of a breakdown of the Jets, but to get you caught up, what I wanted at this point was to lose out, right? You know, there's little glimmers of hope, and then, you know, it's just, okay, it's over. So now it's officially over. Packers are done. Packers are out. Possibility of getting a top 10 pick, you know, like, look, just, just lose to the Jets and lose to the Lions, and let's get this over with. Obviously, I wasn't super popular with a lot of fans because they hate that stuff. I don't care. I care about the long-term future of the team. For example, while you guys were sitting there hoping that we would beat the Jets and Lions, something that nobody cares about today, I was trying to get us a win in uh, 2019. So you're welcome. But anyways, we ended up going on to uh, win that game in overtime, and I lost my mind. And I'm sure things are about to get really hostile as far as on this day in history. But anyways, that's what today's about, so why don't we just go ahead and take a break, and uh, we'll dive straight into it. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, let's start off with this uh, glorious looking injury report right here. Now, the the uh, Jets also have a pretty extensive injury report, but it's almost entirely full participation. I mean, it's like literally almost double the size of ours, but yet they have half the number of did not participate. <laughs> But we'll start at the top here. Mr. Brian Balaga, limited participation because of his knee. Kenny Clark, he is on here. Um, I don't think they're putting him on IR officially, but they did shut him down officially. Not sure I understand the purpose of that. I thought maybe it had something to do with, like, the contract, like you don't want to hurt his salary. I, I don't know that that's a thing. I know it doesn't affect the salary cap, so I wouldn't think, I don't know. It's just a weird, but whatever, who cares? 
Uh, Randall Cobb didn't participate because of his concussion. Jimmy Graham did not participate with his knee slash thumb. Early dance party was going on. Um, like I've said before, we're getting kind of used to that. Now, at the end of the year, again, if we're talking about maybe wanting to shut some people down, maybe at some point Jimmy just doesn't play. But we've been seeing this all year. He doesn't participate. Come Thursday, Friday, he's full participation. He's fine. All right? Maybe he'll be limited tomorrow, full Friday, and then he plays. Jay Kumaro was limited with a hand injury. Lucas Patrick did not participate because he has an illness. Um, Will Redmond did not participate because of a shoulder. Okay. Welcome to the team, Will. Nice to meet you. It's, it's good to meet you. Okay. Aaron Rodgers, full participation, knee slash groin, which actually sounds incredibly painful, just saying it that way. But he's full participation, which is weird, but we'll get there. Uh, J.K. Scott... Illness did not participate, which, interesting enough, J.K. Scott and Lucas Patrick are both sick. So, I mean, not only is there a funk in the locker room, but there's also a funk in the locker room. Kind of kind of floating around. Wash your hands, boys. Come on. Jason Spriggs also did not participate because of a concussion. Jamal Williams, limited participation because of his toe. So, we don't have any running backs right now. Uh, Jamal Williams is it, and he's hurt. I mean, we got bibs, man. We got Bibbs, who is not good. I mean, Jamal is just kind of whatever, but I like him, and I'd be happy with him playing. But if we got Jamal, well, I don't think we can put him on a snap count, man. We we got to grind him. So we don't have running backs. We don't have offensive line because Balaga's hurt, and uh, Lucas Patrick is hurt at guard, and Jason Spriggs is hurt at tackle. So we don't have Spriggs. We don't have Balaga. If we don't have Lucas Patrick, who who's playing right tackle? Do we have McCray at tackle? Is he even playing anymore? I can't keep track of who's hurt and who's not. So McCray goes to tackle, then who plays guard? It's not Patrick, it's not Balaga. I guess Light? So we have, what, Light and McCray? Lightning McQueen? I don't, I don't know who's playing anymore. Oh, except Rodgers, you know, the guy that they're all going to try and fail to protect. Um, and he doesn't have any running backs, and his wide receivers, you know, Randall Cobb and Jimmy Graham and uh, Jay Kumaro, they're not playing, and if they are, they're hurt. So this just circles all back around to what in the world are we doing playing Aaron Rodgers? Because, listen, this, this goes beyond, you know, I, I, again, I don't want to harp on this too much, but let's talk about the severity of what it is we're talking about here. Everybody is getting hurt. Everybody, including the people that are going to help keep Aaron Rodgers alive. How do you help your quarterback? Well, with an offensive line. He doesn't have one. Well, if he can get the ball out of his hand with wide receivers, sorry, he doesn't have any. Okay, how about the run game? Sorry, we don't have any running backs. He's out there on on an island to do what? And listen, I need you to understand something. And I know this is the extreme, but take a look at the Washington Redskins and Alex Smith and tell me why Aaron Rodgers needs to play. Now these are, I I mentioned Alex Smith and the Redskins because these are two separate, complete, and total nightmare disasters. Now the Washington Redskins didn't do anything wrong. I mean, this is something that happens in the NFL. It does happen. Horrible situation. Alex Smith is probably never going to play again. But I need you to understand the full potential severity of what we're doing right now. It, it season-ending careers or, or injuries do happen in the NFL. It's possible, and that was just a freak occurrence 
where he was just getting sacked and his leg just bent the wrong way, and that's it. Game over. Never playing again. He nearly lost his leg. And by the way, I believe that's the second year in a row somebody nearly lost their leg to an injury. The Bears' tight end nearly lost his leg. Just a freak... I don't think anyone even touched him. Just a freak occurrence. Are they rare? Yes. But I want you to... I'm, I'm not just talking about, you know, maybe he twists his ankle. There's really no limit to how bad this can be. And the other side of it, not only is Aaron Rodgers as a human being at risk, but his career is at risk. And then let's look at the Green Bay Packers. Do you understand how how in trouble, we'll say, the Washington Redskins are? Do you know how much money they have to pay him and for how long? A quarterback that will not be on their team? They basically are forfeiting a ton of money. So let me explain the situation that they're in as best as I understand it. He has, for 2019, $16 million of his salary guaranteed that they have to pay him. Now, it could be worse, but $15 million for a guy that's not going to be around is a pretty unfortunate situation for any team. That's a lot of money. That's going to limit you quite a bit. Beyond that, in 2020, if I said 20, I meant 29, next year, 16 million. I'm sorry. Let me slow down. Next year in 2019 is 15 million. In 2020, there is a clause in his contract that guarantees him only if he's injured. In other words, he has no guaranteed money after 2019 and his $15 million is paid out. However, in 2020, there's an additional clause that if he cannot play because of injury, he is owed another $16 million as a protection against injury in which he will not be paid anything else. Meaning he's not collecting any more of his contract, but he gets that $16 million guaranteed in case of injury. So $15 million in 2019 and $16 million in 2020 guaranteed. So two years they have to pay Alex Smith. Now, they can get out of the 2020 payment if they decide that they want to cut him. The problem is that would accelerate his dead cap to $71 million on the 2019 season. That's just, that's, ouch. And that's Alex Smith. The man didn't exactly get Aaron Rodgers' contract. So if something were to happen to Aaron Rodgers, not only do we lose Aaron Rodgers to an incredibly meaningless game, and it just would be the absolute devastation of a franchise, because we, we have nothing until we find a new quarterback, but we're also paying money. We're pay- And I, I, I don't know the exact... I'm not even going to try to break it down. Obviously, we would have to count his signing bonus. Um which is $11.5 million, which isn't horrible. There's also guaranteed money involved. I, I don't know how we would spread that out. Basically, there's $100 million guaranteed that we would have to pay him over the next several years. And obviously, the Packers would want to unload as much of that as possible and get Aaron Rodgers off the books as quickly as possible so we can move on with our franchise, but it's going to take a while. So I, I just want to make sure that we understand the full risk, right? I mean, there, there's, there's a, a range of risk, and at the low end... Um, I think I think best case scenario is we play him, he doesn't get hurt, and we lose, and we, you know, that's it. Next best thing would be we play, he doesn't get hurt, and we win, and all that gets hurt is our draft stock, which I say all like it doesn't matter, but it matters kind of a lot. Beyond there, we're talking about injuries. 
Now, listen, he's already been injured a couple times this year. Remember last year how he broke his collarbone, which is the second time that how it happened, how at the very first game this year he got tackled kind of strangely, similar to what happened to Alex Smith, except he just kind of tweaked his knee as opposed to Alex Smith who kind of shredded it. I know this is the extreme, but this is what we're talking about. Injuries can and do happen, and he's been hurt twice already this year. I don't, I just don't get it, man. I don't get it. And I'm telling you right now, if anything happens to him because of these games, I am going to be very, very, very upset. And for all the people out there who are saying, you got to play, you got to play, and I'm not just talking about fans, I'm talking about the media, how they're talking all this nonsense. Which, by the way, the media is even starting to come around. I mean, the narrative is is changing. I go on Twitter and it's like 98% of fans now are saying we need to bench him, which is shocking and awesome. We're even seeing the media start to say, like, maybe they should be benching Aaron Rodgers. I don't know. We saw Cam Newton get benched, which, granted, it was largely due to a really bad injury. His shoulder, I think, is just not in good shape. But for the most part, everybody seemed on board with it, right? Like, this was the right move. It's good to do it. They're already out. What does it matter? But for, for whatever tongue lashing they may get for not playing Rodgers and how that's not the right thing, just wait till you hear the lashing they get from fans and the media when he gets hurt. Now, speaking on that more specifically, I do find it strange that we seem to have two different narratives, one coming from Rodgers and one coming from the team. You have Philbin saying, I don't know, I hope he plays, I hope he practices, we'll see how it goes. And then you have Rodgers practicing full participation and saying, yeah, of course, yes, I'm playing, I'm playing, I will be playing. It seems like this, the team just does not want to quite say anything yet, which kind of fits into what I was talking about before, where it's kind of like, you know, I don't know, Doc, what do you think? It's like, I don't know, he seems fine. You sure? You maybe want to check him again? Let's let him practice and let's let him go full. Let's make him run a lot or something. I don't know. we got to find a way to shut him down. So in other words, they, they won't say he's okay, even though he's full participation. Any other week you look at it and say full participation, the coaches are going to be like, yeah, he's fine. He's, he's, he's practicing in full. We intend to have him out there. But there's something a little different about this. Even though I'm, I'm more than 50% sure he's going to be playing because it just feels that way, there's something very strange about the way that this is being handled and the fact that nobody on the team is willing to say, yes, he's going to play. And also, let's not forget, in weeks when you have a backup starting, there's usually almost always gamesmanship as far as we don't know who's going to be playing and you wait until the last minute to shut the quarterback down because you want them preparing for Aaron Rodgers and then you bust out Kaiser. Not that it really matters because the lack of preparation isn't really going to help us. No offense to Kaiser or anything like that, but it is what it is. But there, there is a, a part of me that says, again, as much as it seems like Aaron Rodgers is playing, everything about the way the team is handling this gives me the impression he's not playing. So very, very conflicting. Rodgers is, is practicing. He's practicing in full. He said definitively, I am playing, which I would not expect him to say that if he had any indication he's not. But the way the team is acting makes me feel like he's not. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll call it 60% I think he's playing, 40% I think he's not playing. Anyways, let's, uh, let's discuss what Pro Football Focus had to say about this particular game. First of all, let's look at um, the overall performance from last week as compared to prior weeks. So as I've already mentioned, this is, let's see, yeah, officially this was the worst game of the entire season against the Chicago Bears. It's pretty similar to other games. Unfortunately, almost all the other games that are it's similar to 
have listen the last four weeks have been the worst four weeks of the season the Washington Redskins game is the one outlier but um, every single game with the exception of the Washington Redskins from week one through week 11 against Seattle was at least good or better Pretty much all of them right in that good range, though. No very goods, no elites, but some, you know, low good, high good, whatever. And good, again, is just 70 for those that are not familiar with my vernacular. Since then, so we're talking the Vikings, the Cardinals, the Falcons, and now the Bears, they have not had one good game. Not a one. So not only was McCarthy fired after we lost to the Cardinals, but we're talking about a decline that started in Week 12. And the decline carried over exponentially after McCarthy left. So weeks 12 and 13 were two of our worst weeks of the season. McCarthy gets fired, and now we have officially Atlanta Falcons game was our worst game of the season, uh, worse even than the Washington Redskins game. And now this past week against the Chicago Bears was the worst yet. So things got bad, and now things are getting even worse. Looking specifically at our offensive performance, it was our fourth worst performance um, of the season. So, you know, you can say, well, it was the Chicago Bears, that's to be expected, but I don't know. The other game that was worse than that was against the Arizona Cardinals. They do not have a good defense. The game that was worse than that was the Washington Redskins game in Week 3, which, as we all remember, was really, really bad. And then the worst offensive performance was actually against the Atlanta Falcons, in which we won. 34 points, no defense. PFF graded that as our worst performance. So it's not just a simple matter of, well... You know, good defense, low scores, obviously the grades are going to be what they are. Our highest graded offensive performance was week five against the Detroit Lions when we lost. As far as uh, our passing performance, which is pretty much all just Aaron Rodgers, it was kind of a middle ground. So every game that was worse than this, which is weeks 13, 14, 10, and week one, so again, a lot of these later games, Falcons, Cardinals, and the Dolphins, these are all getting down into the pretty bad territory. Every game above this is actually in the good category or better, up to and including very good and elite. This is the one that's just kind of sitting right in the middle. Pass blocking wasn't all that bad. Pretty mediocre performance as far as the rest of the season is concerned. Looking at the wide receivers and our receiving game in general, it's the exact same thing. Uh, weeks 3 and 4 were actually our two worst weeks, so against the Buffalo Bills and Washington Redskins, two pretty bad games. You remember after that Buffalo game and we won, Aaron Rodgers was not happy. And he had reason to be because that was a terrible performance from our wide receivers. The Washington Redskins was the same thing. So back-to-back weeks. But then things picked up until, you guessed it, weeks 12, 13, 14, and 15 are our next four worst games. Why? Why is that happening? Again, we want to talk about chemistry. What? Okay, but things are getting worse. I don't understand. Help me understand this. And we're getting guys back. We got Kumaro now. We got Randall Cobb. We haven't had him for a while. Right, Devontae is still there. Jimmy Graham is there. Marquez is there. Why why are things getting worse? Equinemius is there. I don't know, but they are. As far as the run game goes, um, it was our fourth worst performance. And I listen, we'll talk about this at another time, but I, I think people are really, really, really getting a little crazy with the Aaron Jones stuff. Which granted, it's always been crazy with Aaron Jones. Right? Prior to the season he was basically a god who was just going to tear up the league. Then he comes in and he does tear up the league. And it's like he's the greatest running back of all time. And then he has like two not great games, one of which is against the Chicago Bears, where he's not getting six, seven, eight yards of carry. And it's like, oh, see, see? I mean, I'm seeing people saying we should trade him. I'm seeing people saying his season is over. Somebody said that in the YouTube channel. His season is over. His career is over. He's done because he got a knee injury. I'm seeing all over Twitter people saying he's he's only good in limited carries, which just, I, I don't see that. 
I mean, I know that's what the numbers say, but the numbers are just ridiculous. Listen, the last few games, he's been bottled up. And he got more carries. So people look at that and go, oh, look, if he gets more carries, then that means he gets less yardage. No. Listen, <laughs> if you get to, let's say, 18 carries, you had to have gotten to 12 carries at one point. So just lop off the last eight carries and look at the 12, the first 12, compared to the other 12. His first 12 in the later games have been worse than his first 12 in the earlier games, when he was getting 10 yards a carry. In other words, if we had stopped him there, your statistics would be out the window and that wouldn't be the case. I don't see any evidence that says, and maybe I'm wrong, i got to look a little deeper at this, but I don't see any evidence that suggests if we would just stop him at 12, his stats would be out of control. The run game just isn't as good anymore, right? He's getting stopped. Are you watching the game? Because that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing him run and not go anywhere. Partially because we don't have an offensive line. Partially because we don't have a threat through the air so teams can just tee off against him. I mean, I, I don't understand the idea that if we would just stop running him after 12 carries, then all of a sudden he'd be great. Like, no, he would have no yards and no touchdowns and no anything. But and, and people are going nuts. Like, we got to, and, and listen, I'm, I'm on board. We do need more running backs, but, I mean, it's like it, this is now a, a high priority. Like, we need not just a running back. We need, like, we got to go early. We got to get a really good one to pair with him. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm, I'm concerned about the depth. And I'm concerned about his injuries and the fact that maybe... And listen, I'll, I'll acknowledge maybe he can't handle that kind of a load as far as his body starting to break down because he's a smaller guy. And I'll, I'll... Fine, I'll grant you that. And maybe that's part of the reason why Jamal was playing so much, as frustrated as we got. Because Mark McCarthy realized, listen, we can't give him 20 carries a game or he won't make it to week 8. I wish he would just say that so we don't have to keep playing these games. Maybe he doesn't want to discourage him, or what? I don't know. I don't know what the problem is, but just be like, look, man, we're trying to preserve him for, you know, the postseason, so he's healthy and, and fresh and ready to tear it up. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it more some other time. I just, it, it, just, it makes me crazy how, like, quickly he, he has, like, one or two bad games, and then he gets injured, and instantly the narrative is, we, we need a new running back, this isn't working, move on. Like, he, literally, just like two months ago, he was the greatest running back of all time, and now you want to move on, get a new running back. I People just are insane. Overall defense was fifth worst. Our uh, run defense was pretty decent. Our tackling wasn't horrible. Pass rush was really terrible. Coverage was really terrible. Special teams was second worst. And the reason I sped up is because I'm starting to think I actually did this already. So <laughs> it's possible we did this once before, but we'll call that a refresher. Maybe that was last week I did it, but it's like, wait a minute. I think I might have done this already. Sorry about that. All right, let's look at the offense and see what we can't find out, shall we? Now, there is an outlier right out of the gate here. Limited sample size, but I don't even care at this point because we're talking about a player that has been at or near the bottom all year who had nine total snaps and was the highest-graded Packers player in this game. Talking about Mr. Lance Kendricks. What does it mean? I don't know, but it makes me happy because, again, I'm looking for this. I'm looking for somebody to kind of step up and uh, stand out. Now, limited sample size, maybe if we gave him 20 snaps in this game, he would have been trash. I don't know, but props to him. He had five uh, snaps as a receiver, one as a pass blocker, three as a run blocker. All of them graded out well, especially his receiving grade, which is what he did the most. He had five snaps as a receiver and graded out as very good. So that's cool. And it, it the other good thing, too, is... And this is kind of an important question because looking at next year, I don't think we're going to get rid of all three of these veteran tight ends. It just doesn't make sense. Then all we have is Tanyan. I don't like that. 
I don't like the fact that we just have Tanya. Now, the question is, do we want to go with high upside Jimmy Graham and pay the money? Because he still is probably the best tight end we have. But in terms of value, would you rather have Lance Kendricks for like two million bucks or would you rather have Jimmy Graham for 10? I think we're pretty convincingly going to have to say Lance Kendricks, right? And he's just a veteran guy who's there. You know, he's not great, but whatever. He's a body. He's our number one tight end. It is what it is. Maybe possibly we look at Mercedes Lewis. I, I don't know. I would say because he can help in with blocking, but he didn't prove that. Except this week, he did. So we might as well jump there since we're talking about him. Um, he, as a receiver, again, limited snaps. He had 11 snaps, so he's actually kind of moving up a little. And why not, right? I would love to see Lance Kendricks and Mercedes Lewis get a lot more snaps to try to figure out this tight end situation and what we're going to do moving forward. But this is kind of what we would expect. Only three snaps as a receiver. He graded out pretty poorly. Two as a run blocker, he graded out as good. Six, or excuse me, two as a pass blocker. Six as a run blocker, he graded out good in that as well. So, terrible receiver, but he blocked in the run and pass game pretty well. So, awesome. That's what we need to see. And then we got to figure out going forward, what do we want to do? Do we want Mercedes Lewis to block for us? Do we want Lance Kendricks to be kind of a meh blocker and receiver? Do we want to pay Jimmy Graham a ton of money on the off chance that maybe he becomes something kind of decent? I don't know, but I don't want all three of them back. I don't even want two of them back. My preference would be to have one of them, Antonian, and then uh, hopefully maybe possibly draft somebody. But I just don't like Jimmy Graham at this price for this production. It's just, it's ridiculous. No thank you. Uh, Mr. David Bakhtiari, not surprisingly number two. His pass blocking grade was once again elite. Run blocking was mediocre as per usual. But, um, yep, elite pass blocker, graded out as very good. The only other very good player was Devontae Adams, pretty consistently up there. Um, as a receiver, he graded out incredibly well. As a run blocker, nobody cares, but it was average. The one player who was by his lonesome in the quote-unquote good category was Aaron Rodgers. I know nobody likes that because either either Aaron Rodgers is elite or he's horrible. Those are the only two things anybody ever wants to hear about Aaron Rodgers, right? He's the greatest of all time, or he missed four throws. He should be just taken out back by the woodshed and put out of his misery but you know again I'm not going to go through my why I support pro football focused diatribe but the fact of the matter is yes we all saw the missed throws we also saw the completed throws and there was a whole bunch of nuance in between this is the conclusion they came to now granted it was barely in the good category which for Rodgers is is pretty low for context this is his sixth worst game pretty similar to how he was graded in New England uh, the only games that were worse than this where it's down into the average category is uh, Atlanta, Chicago in Week 1, Arizona, and Miami. So again, we got 13, 14, and 15 grouped pretty closely together there at and near the bottom. But anyways, we'll call it a mediocre performance from Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Mercedes Lewis is after that. He's in the average category. I already explained his situation. Lane Taylor, Lucas Patrick, Corey Lindsley are all kind of grouped together in the meh category. We'll skip a bunch of these guys, but then down in the bad, we got Jay Kumaro graded out as bad. Aaron Jones graded out as bad. Why is it every time I defend somebody, Pro Football Focus is like, yeah, but he was pretty bad, dude. But again, whatever. One bad game, and it was seven snaps. Three is a receiver, four is a runner. Just give me a break. Jason Spriggs, not surprisingly, graded out as bad, but again, as I said, I don't want to look at what he's done over the course of the year and not acknowledge the growth and then see that he did a poor job against Khalil Mack and go, oh, he's trash, which is exactly what everybody's doing. I'm not going to do that. 
Now, granted, he's not ideal, right? You have to be able to block Khalil Mack because we got to play him twice a year for the next four, five, six years, whatever it is. But he may be worth hanging on to, I guess is all I'm saying. Hopefully just as a backup, but, you know, potentially a quality backup at that. Uh, Mr. Danny Vitale, I'm another guy, you know, man, Packers Twitter is just funny. And I know this is probably just a small minority, but I, I just see it and it just kind of blow. You know, all, all I need to do is see like three people say it. And it's like, what is wrong with Packers fans? When in reality, I probably saw the only three Packers fans that said it. But there was a huge buzz about Danny Vitale, the fullback. And I have no idea why. Like, I literally had no idea who he even was. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, we got to get Vitale in there, man. Woo! He's got tattoos and an Italian name. He looks mean. Like, kind of fat, but built. Like, classic fullback-looking guy. It's like, what are, what are we basing anything on ever? What is the point? What? Okay. <laughs> so anyways, he played poorly. And then down at the very bottom, we got Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Equinemius St. Brown. Now, again, I say, we're talking about chemistry, and we're seeing two rookies get worse every single week, and it's just in free fall. I don't know what the situation is. Again, I don't know if defenses just have him completely pegged. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if their just effort level is tanking with the season, which is pretty horrible if you're a rookie and you're giving up on that. Like, you cannot. A veteran, it's kind of like we're trying to find ways to get you to care because you've been through the motion, you got your money, you know, you, you understand the writing on the wall, you know you're going to start next year. Dude, you're... You are a late-round draft pick and a rookie. Marquez and EQ have zero guarantees of being here next year. Let me just tell you that flat out. If Marquez starts playing like garbage and we see growth from Equinemius and we draft two more wide receivers and, and Kumro has another good preseason, I hate to tell you, Jamon Moore and Marquez are going out the door. They're not that valuable. Marquez, I don't know if you're listening, buddy. Equinemius, I like you guys, but I'm telling you, no guarantees next year. You step it up, or you're at risk of going bye-bye because the GM is always watching, and he's especially watching now. And he's seeing two guys suddenly decide they don't want to play anymore. That ain't good, man. Step it up. And by the way, Randall Cobb was also in the sub-average. Um, I mean, he's technically average, but he's below 60. So we have Jimmy Graham below 60, Randall Cobb below 60, Jay Kumaro's in the 50s, Marquez is in the 40s. Equinemius is in the 40s. And then we got Devontae Adams up here in the 80s at very good. This is his wide receiver group. This is why Aaron Rodgers is struggling. This is why Aaron Rodgers should not be playing and is at at risk to play under center right now. He's going to have to hold the ball because he has nowhere to go because he just has Devontae Adams. And I listen, I know he's lobbying for Randall Cobb, but give me a break. No. No. Just no. I love Randall Cobb. He's still young. I wish he was still playing like he was young. He, there's no reason for him to decline to this level, considering his age. He's 28. He should be able to play for another three years. He should get a three-year extension, because he's still playing at a high level, but he's not. He had one good game this whole year. It was week one against Chicago. One. And that was in week one. The only other game that was above average was against the Rams. And by the way, this is coming off a 2017 season in which he was just average. In fact, he had a, he basically had a good three-year stretch from 2012 to 2014. Since then, it's just been kind of bleh. 2016, not horrible, I guess. But anyways, it's just, it's just enough is enough. It just, it's not there. It's not just, it's not even an age thing necessarily. Because again, he's only 28. 
And the last time he had even a moderately good season was in 2016. He would have been 26. The last time he had a very good season was when he was 24 in 2014. It just isn't there, man. It just isn't. I don't know what it is, but it's not there. And yeah, we're going to be hurting without him. It's it's very similar to Jordy, but I I think Jordy's actually going to hurt even more than Randall Cobb because, again, they still had that chemistry going on. I think they could have made something out of this season more than Randall Cobb. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, yes, without him, the offense is even thinner, and Randall Cobb probably is our second-best wide receiver, which makes this complicated, but we can't pay this guy. He's just not worth money. That's the bottom line, and that's the problem with being a GM is you got to make those kinds of decisions. The team is worse if we don't sign him, but he has a value. He has a value based on his production, based on his age, based on all this stuff, and you look at his value, and you look at what he's going to be asking, and it's like, no, man. And not only that, but roster spots have value. I don't know if I want to even give up a roster spot for him. I hate saying that because I like Randall Cobb. It's just, listen, it's not there. And I know, you know, Aaron is going to go to bat for his guys, and that's awesome. It's, it's very similar to him saying, I want to play. I want him to say that he wants to play. I want him to say that he wants his guys and needs his guys. I want him to go to bat for his guys. I want him to put on a show about not being happy that his guys are gone. But you know what? He needs to, at the end of the day, understand this is the way that it not only is, but needs to be. I mean, again, I come back to Mr. Super Competitive. Fine, if you're super competitive, then how about we focus more on the competition and winning and less about who your friends are? You can still be friends with him, right? He'll get a job somewhere else. You got you got Jordy out in Oakland. Cool, man. Go fly out to California back home. Go hang out with your boy Jordy. You guys are both rich beyond belief. Go out and just live it up, man. Jordy and his wife, you and your lady friend, you go out, get a couple steaks, Go, I don't care what you do, what, do whatever. Just stop complaining about it. He's not on the team anymore. It's not fair. Dude, it's the right decision. So, again, I'm fine with him saying, you know, we're better with Randall. He's your buddy. He's your guy, right? You've got rapport with him, and you, you're kind of getting uncomfortable because you don't know this locker room anymore. But you got to recognize this is the right move, right? I mean, everybody has to realize this. Anyways, let's flip over to defense. There's a lot of players here. There was a ton of rotation, and there is, again an outlier, and it is, again, a small sample size, but it's it's a guy that needs to step up because he's making a pitch for next year. That's Mr. Antonio Morrison, who graded out as elite. Run defense was above average. Tackling was good. Coverage was whatever. It was just one snap. Didn't count for anything, but his pass rush is actually what got him graded very highly. Now, again, limited snaps. He didn't have any sna- uh, sacks or anything like that, but he did something well. But he's, he's, listen, he's been playing hard all year. I like Antonio Morrison for the the same reason I like Josh Jones. They just play hard. Like, they they want to win. They're very competitive. They're very mean. They're very fast. They're very, well, Morrison's not fast, but, I mean, they're just punishing people, and I want that on our defense. I just, you just need production. You need them to do better. Be in the right spot. Make a play on the ball. Make the tackle. I love that you're jacked up all the time, but come on, man. You got to give me something here. Beyond that, Montrevious Adams uh, was the second highest guy. Now, we've, we drop all the way down to good. In other words, we go from 90 down to the 70s. But uh, quite a few good guys. we got Montrevious Adams, 16 snaps, which is something. we got another dance party break. Going to get it. All right. So that's awesome to see him step up because I was getting a little bit worried. I mean, you, you got to give these guys time, I guess. But he was, I mean, this year, he was literally like the worst. He was for consistently the worst ever. Already, he's stepping up. Uh, Blake Martinez consistently at the top. Uh, this time it was his tackling grade that, that kind of set him apart. 
I know it surprises a lot of people because the tackling was really bad and there are a ton of really bad tackling grades in this one, but um, it was bad. But Blake, I guess he stood out. I don't know. Number four, Fatal Brown. Yeah, the new guy. I just talked about him like last week. Like, I don't know, we picked up this guy. It doesn't matter. He's not going to do anything. Well, he did. And he was graded out pretty highly. Now, his tackling grade was terrible, so he's one of those guys, if you saw a whiffed tackle, he's one of them. But overall, his run defense grade was pretty stout, and that's all I can really ask from a guy who comes in out of nowhere. Tyler Lancaster, again, stepped up. Very, very good run defense grade. Uh, the one knock on him is, is his pass rush just being very, very sluggish. He did have one hurry, but I don't think we expect that from Tyler Lancaster, right? He's just a big, giant brute. And that's what he's going to do, right? He's a nose tackle. He's just going to eat up blocks. He's our new Kenny Clark. That's fine. He's one-dimensional, but if he can just give us that that help and run support, I'm fine with it. Uh, and then finally, Tremont Williams had a pretty decent game, um, pretty average across the board. But again, the tackling grade was on point, so he gets he gets a bump from that. Um, a lot, a lot, a lot of mediocre. I mean, there's there's several guys here that just have one snap. Warren Brooks, James Crawford, James Looney, Jamon Moore, Will Redmond. Well, Jamon, why is Jamon out there? Jake Kumaro, Randall Cobb. What? Okay, I don't know what's going on. But anyways. Then we get down into the bad below that, and uh, this is pretty unfortunate. This is a list of guys that I just don't want to see down here. Clay Matthews, which he's been down here a couple times. His tackling grade was okay, but everything else was pretty poor. His pass rush was poor. I know I think he had like the one sack in the game. Well, they're not saying he had a sack. I don't know. Maybe I didn't even watch the game. Maybe that's what it is. Um, behind him is Bashad Breland. Now, I told you all to cool it with the Bashad Breland hype, but I still don't want to see him down this low. Um, according to this, he actually played a good amount of safety, which probably didn't help, but it, it's largely his tackling grade. Um, his coverage grade was actually pretty terrible as well, but uh, the tackling was really, really, really bad. Dean Lowry, just really, tackling was the worst. I mean, the worst tackler on the team. Dean Lowry's been doing really solid, but, you know, these are the kinds of things, like, Dean, you can't be slipping, man. When you got Montrevious Adams and Fatal Brown and Tyler Lancaster tearing it up up front, and you're like the elder statesman, you're the guy up there. You're 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 top dog. You're number three on the list, and number one and two are gone, and you're just not playing right now. This is not good. Run defense was was poor. Your um, pass rush was poor. Tackling was abysmal. Behind him, Tony Brown, another guy I really really like, just didn't step up. Man, coverage was no good. Tackling was fine, but I mean. Just wasn't any good. 29 snaps is not a very small sample size. The worst news of all of this, though, 24th out of 24 defensive players, guess who was worst? Jair Alexander. This was his worst game of the year, and I really, really, really don't like this. I know maybe I'm overreacting, but the Bears wide receivers are not that great. Now, he, he actually didn't grade out that bad against Julio, even though there were a lot of catches. I think the coverage was good. I think PFF saw that. It was fine. The problem is his coverage grade hasn't been very good in quite a while, right? Overall grade, he's had this, that, or the other, but let's just look at his coverage grade in the first half of the season here. So he graded out as very good in week one, basic, well, good to very good, whatever. Weeks two against Minnesota and Washington, he was average. Then against Buffalo, he was very good. Against the Rams, very good. Against New England, he was good. Against Miami, very good. What has he done since then? Seattle, below average. Minnesota, above average. Arizona, below average. Uh, Atlanta, average. And now against Chicago, abysmal. Horrible. Terrible. Six targets, four receptions, 61 yards. Now, the one thing I've noticed about Jair, 
and maybe it's not that his attitude is getting worse. Maybe it seems like he's trying to get picks. I don't know if maybe Patton is getting it in their ear, like we got to start getting turnovers, whatever. But I'm seeing him consistently try to jump routes, miss, and then it goes for huge gains. So on one hand, I don't really mind that all that much, but at the end of the day, you just you got to produce, and that's all there is to it. And not only are you not making a play on the ball, but you're letting the guy run. And if if I have to choose between you keep doing that and and looking like garbage out there, and you just teeing off on him and letting him catch it, just let him catch it. I mean, it's just, it, whatever, it's not working, man. This has been like two weeks in a row where he's just hunting for the ball, for the ball, for the ball, for the ball, and he just keeps missing. His timing is off. I don't know what the problem is. He's not getting to the ball in time, and he's just whiffing. I don't know, it's, it's, maybe he's just trying to take on too much, and he just needs to slow down and just, just play, man, just play good football. He's a good football player, but this is what I don't want to see. I've been very protective of Jair all year long because he's been so good, and we're seeing that decline, and I don't like it, and the decline started in like week 11. I don't like this, and now we get down to week 15, and he just had a just the worst game ever. That that worries me a little bit. That's troubling to me. Just because, again, I, I don't want his his attitude and demeanor to kind of diminish. He's he's this guy is 21 years old, man. He's he's 21. He's real good, but I mean, in reality, he's really our only corner right now. I I've, I've said in my last mock, it it might be important that we get another corner. Maybe not first round, but what do we have? We got Jair, who's seems to be really good. We got Josh Jackson, who's not good. We got Bashad Breland, who's, I would say, mediocre. We've got Kevin King, who just is not good, despite everybody saying he's really good. He's just not, and he's always hurt all the time. We really just don't have a very good group. The only reason I don't want to go corners because they're young and maybe they grow, but they're also young and maybe they don't. And if Jair starts to regress and things don't go well, we're back to square one. We got nothing. So we'll, we'll see. You know, right? We've seen a lot of guys step up. I'm still hopeful for Josh Jackson being able to step up. But a um, little bit concerned. But, it, you know, I think we need to take everything kind of with a grain of salt. It's possible that these guys are starting to get bad attitudes. I don't really know. Things just get harder when you're losing. I don't know what, what it is. Right? You, you start putting out maximum effort and you're just not getting results anymore. And it's like, what is going on? It's just not working. Something just isn't working. And, again, we can fix that next year by just start winning. But um, anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. Tomorrow we're probably going to be looking at the Jets would be the usual plan of attack. So we'll plan on that. We'll see what happens. Otherwise, you folks have yourselves a fantastic Thursday. I do hope it's Thursday because I've been thinking it's Thursday all day. And if it's Wednesday, I'm just going to rage. I'm going to rage so hard. Anyways, you folks have a good day. Have a good one. Bye-bye.